Welcome to this week's edition of BD Extra, bringing you the latest trends from Google and around the market. We'll also be featuring guests each week to give you a unique perspective on what's happening out there. While we were disappointed to postpone our DCX conference until next spring, the silver lining is that we are still in touch with many thought leaders who were slated to present at the event, and we'll be featuring them here on our BD Extra podcast in the coming weeks. And the good news is none of them are on planes right now. This week, we are excited to have Mandy Mankvitz from Sphere Trending with us to talk about how different generations are responding and changing behaviors as a result of recent events. But before we get to Mandy, I do have Mr. Tim Costello here to share the latest updates on the market and trends on Google search. Oh, hi, Melissa. How are you? Hi, take it away, (laughs) Tim. It's just been so long. Yeah, well, once again, we're back to the the Google National Search Index, which we have been tracking for a long, 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 long time here at the BDX. And we are now in week number 10, officially, of the recovery. Yes. So we are about, we are 14 weeks uh, into what we began to see as a crisis in the third week of February. We saw four down weeks, and now we have seen 10 weeks in a row where more and more and more and more consumers continue to start shopping for new homes. That's amazing. It is remarkable. At this point, uh, we have 28% more people shopping for new homes than we did at the same time last year, which is just astonishing. Right. Uh, We have almost 20% more people looking for homes than we did at the beginning of the year, kind of in the January, February timeframe. And if you remember, January and February was absolutely astounding for builders. Oh, people were doing, you know, backflips and cartwheels. They were complaining they didn't have enough land, they didn't have enough materials, <laughs> right. they didn't have enough trades. They didn't, couldn't handle know, all those leads. Couldn't handle the leads, they, you know, all kinds of different issues. So uh, we are uh, surpassing that by over 20%. We're surpassing last year's uh, volume and consumer interest by over 28%. So, yeah, this is kind of getting to be an old story almost, but right. it's just astonishing. Every week, it's, it, you just expect some week it's finally going to flatten out. It's finally going to stop. It's finally going to... Even if just seasonality at yes, some point. Uh, it's going to taper off, but uh, but there just seems to be this absolutely insatiable appetite right now for consumers to get out of where they're living and find something uh, in the new home arena. And I think one of the things that we clearly are now benefiting from, we've been talking about this for many weeks, but we are clearly seeing evidence now is that because of the shortage of used properties, you know, there's anywhere between 25 and 50% fewer used properties for sale on the market in all major metropolitan markets today because people have either taken their homes off the market or haven't been putting new, new used homes on the market mm-hmm. uh, at the same rate that they normally would. There just isn't that much inventory to purchase. And I think what's happening is you're seeing a large portion of buyers that traditionally probably wouldn't even have considered new or weren't thinking new are now moving into new because there is there is no way we would have this kind of volume of search unless we were literally selling between seven and eight million homes a year. And we, we certainly don't have that kind of volume. So we are the new homes are just taking up a disproportionate share of consumer interest right now. They're easier and more comfortable to go see. They're new, they're clean, nobody's living in them. You can tour them virtually. You know, I think consumers have really latched on to this. I think word of mouth, even within the home searching market, is beginning to tell people, well, you should look at new. It was really easy. I bought a home last week. Yeah, I just think that we have a moment right now in the new home industry that we really need to take advantage of. Right. And hopefully new homes will take back some of that market share we lost yep. uh, many we, years ago. And, and if we get back into that range of, you know, 15 to 
you know, 20% of total homes sold, even if this year home sales are 5 million or 4.5 million or whatever they are, we'll sell way more new homes this year than we did last year. Builders should have another absolutely bonus knock it out of the park uh, year. And I know this sounds absolutely crazy. We've been saying this now for 10 weeks. <laughs> right. And when we first started saying this, people were, you're crazy. They're just looky loos. They they're not going to tomatoes at us. You know, they're frankly. not going to be buying. Uh, you know, nobody's going to close in this environment. Uh, and I think when, when in this really close inspection of the environment, when we really look at what's going on, consumers have been spending less. Uh, they got government checks. They have more money for a down payment. Renters and urban dwellers want a yard and more space. Even suburban dwellers that are living in really small homes want more space, more personal space. If you haven't lost your job, uh, then you're probably doing pretty well because you've saved a ton of money in this last three months and, and you've gotten even more money from the federal government. So there's a, just an opportunity right now to take advantage of you know, historically low interest rates, all of this cash that you now have available to you. And uh, new homes really could soak up that opportunity and take advantage of the situation. Absolutely. And it's, it's not to say that we don't have empathy uh, for our home builder friends. It's, you know, it's a little harder, right? It's a little harder to connect. Yeah, I mean, I think a little issue- harder to go through the process, perhaps. You've got to pivot on those things, but definitely achievable. Well, well, you have to, you know, you have a choice between two things. Would you rather have a demand crisis or would you have a, rather have a sales challenge? Right. And in a demand crisis, you can't do much as a builder to create consumer demand. Um, we have massive demand. Uh, demand like we haven't seen it since 2005, 2006. So this is huge level of consumer demand. Um, what builders have to deal with now is you're selling more remotely, more digitally. And by the way, consumers have been here for quite some time. Builders are just now realizing that they have to catch up to consumers. It's not that hard. Stitch Fix does it. Carvana does it. Amazon does it. You know, every other major retail category basically has kind of figured out how to do this. We just need to you know, move full steam ahead and adopt digital transformation in the home building space. Well, that is a great segue. Thanks, Tim. Today, we have Mandy Mankfitz joining us here on the BD Extra podcast. Mandy has over 20 years of experience in digital engagement, emerging technology, and marketing evolution, working with some of the Fortune 500 retailers and manufacturers. As VP of Engagement Trends at Sphere Trending, a strategy think tank and trend forecasting firm, Mandy leads the analyzation and translation of digital and technology trend insights into innovation strategies for a wide breadth of clients and industries. That was a mouthful. This is quite impressive. Well, thank you, Mandy, for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. And sorry, that's a mouthful. The words fear trending are never easy to say. (laughs) (laughs) They sound so cool. (laughs) I know. I know. You have such a a great title and you get to work with all these uh, amazing brands on uh, trends. And obviously you speak our language in terms of digital transformation. So as we were talking, you've been doing some interesting analysis about how different generations have been responding to this whole situation and how their behaviors have changed over the past few months. Maybe before we dive into specifics on these different uh, demographic generational groups, maybe set the stage for us. What are the, the six groups that you guys track and follow? Great. Yeah, that sounds a great way to start. Um, so there's six influential generations in the marketplace. And at Spear Trending, we've been tracking this group for over 20 years. Um, so that dates me a little, I suppose. So full disclosure, Gen X are here. Um, 
So there's a lot more life stages and there's a lot more expectations. So global from birth, which is your zero to 11 year old, um, we're kind of saying that, you know, they were born into a world with no boundaries. So, you know, the world is open to them. But the shift is kind of interesting that now are they going to be this branded from birth generation as, you know, during this big shift, you've seen all of these brands circle around parents and, and stuck at home students to create solutions in which to engage. So kind of an interesting concept um, for this young generation to, to be shifting in this world where, where brands talk to them on a regular basis. And then we have Gen Z, uh, ages 12 to 23. Really, we call this you know, your future homeowner. Watching this group is very important um, to those of us in, in this trend forecasting space. And we really see this generation as generation creative. Um, they do feel that they are more creative than their cohorts in the, in the generational space. Um, how they really shifted in the pandemic was really approaching this in a positive way. I mean, yes, they were worried, but, you know, they found ways in both analog and digital ways um, to deal with this and to really be interesting content creators. And we found some very interesting new kind of brand relationships that there that normally would not be speaking to this generation um, that really will impact the future of how we think about home um, because they now have these new relationships. And millennials, ages 24 to 44, definitely a powerhouse, huge generation um, of parents, of home buyers, of workers. And, and this generation kind of raised with Instagram and Facebook and, and the perfect post has kind of made this shift. The, the evaporation of FOMO, so the fear of missing out, is kind of here now because we've missed out on everything, weddings, graduations, um, even births in some cases. You know, it's been kind of sad. Um, so now we're saying this is about, this is the good news generation, and it's an untapped space um, for brands to have relationships with the millennials because they really want to share this, um, you know, the, the good stories that have come out of this. So um, it's really about the follower is now the influencer because everybody is baking bread and making crafts and doing all those things we used to follow people for. Um, and now all of a sudden um, it's amplified for each individual user to really take center stage. And then Gen X, call them brand purpose. Um, they're really that, you know, help me or don't bother me generation, heads down, um, you know, working, um, caring for, for children, sometimes adult children, um, sometimes aging parents. They are your multi-generational household, very pragmatic group. Um, and that's why we say they're, they're brand, they're gen purpose because um, they expect, you know, partnerships and commitments and engagement um, from, from the people that they choose to buy from. And that's hugely important when you think about home. And then baby boomers, uh, we're saying this is the new tech-savvy consumer, and I know that might surprise people, but, you know, the future of, of online um, and how this generation had to just jump in and online shop and curbside pickup and download that app, and they didn't have their children or their coworkers there to, to help them, um, seeing lots of, of interesting shifts here, and it's a big wake-up call for, um, you know, brands to now talk to this consumer in a brand new way because they want to continue to live this kind of tech-savvy lifestyle, um, and that will really impact on the different ways that we want to communicate with them. And then lastly, seniors, um, ages 76 plus, 
Um, and you know, might not be the ones that you consider, you know, uh, digital messaging. But in this pandemic, we thought it was really interesting. The new viral star really wasn't the millennial; it was their grandparents. Um, you know, we have some interesting examples of you know, how Coors Light engaged with a woman who held up a sign that she needs more beer, or uh, the man in Britain who raised millions and millions of dollars by by getting out and walking. So, um, this is a pivotal moment. We're calling it social redevelopment because, as we maybe consider to keep seniors home with us or, you know, again, living that multi-generational home, um, the messaging is really going to change here for that group as well. Oh, great. So that's just kind of our summary good. of those groups. Okay. So that's a good overview of kind of the, the six groups. And maybe before we jump into the groups that tend to buy homes, um, let's take a closer look at those two younger groups who are not buying homes, but certainly seem to influence these purchases. What are what are your thoughts and reflections on kind of those two uh, global from birth and Gen Z groups? Well, these two younger groups, so, you know, 23 and younger might not be your, your home buyer, but um, there's an interesting um, National Retail Federation study that says 87% of parents say their children influence their purchase decisions. Um, and that's kind of a uh, interesting thought process when you now have children who are going to school at home or, you know, going, doing things virtually or really thinking about what does my game room look like? Um, and the conversations that they're having with their parents about what they need has changed so quickly. Um, and even how parents feel about things like screen time all of a sudden becomes a positive. Um, that kind of helps direct parents to think about what they want in their, in their new home. Mm. Um, you know, and percent of parents say that they involve their children in the beginning stage of the purchase journey. So, hey, you know, we're, we're thinking about moving. Um, what are your thoughts? Um, and again, you know, it's it really does help influence purchases for, for the whole household. So it's a car, it's a home, it's a, it's a new sofa, et cetera, things that we might not have thought, thought about in the past. Very interesting. And I don't think when I was growing up, my parents ever asked me what I would like in my living situation. I think uh, I was supposed to be glad that I had food and shelter. So the world has certainly shifted, but it does make sense. I mean, the family unit is so close together and everybody's trying to work at home, play at home, really live together. And it would make sense that, you know, the the needs of these kids um, would really influence the purchase just in terms of the workspace, the play space. Um, it just becomes a lot more important. So that's super interesting. Well, one of the things that we like to say is one of the things we've been tracking is millennials have the closest relationship with their children than any other generation prior. Um, and not saying it's, you know, a friend relationship, but just how they consider their, their family unit, like you were saying, um, and, and how they really want to spend time together and have been very cognizant of what screen time has meant or, you know, making sure children get, you know, outside um, and sunshine um, and have balance in their lives. So, I um, mean, it's a real different group um, and and how agreed as a Gen Xer, I was a latchkey kid and if I made a sandwich, well then I guess I made a sandwich. No one was feeding me. <laughs> so really, really different and very interesting and we're really enjoying watching them um, grow up and, and become parents and do things differently. Right. Absolutely. So let's move on to the buying groups. Um, millennials, of course, are now the largest buying group for new homes. What are you seeing with the millennials themselves? As I mentioned, the evaporation of FOMO, um, this this new kind of persona that they're taking on now post-pandemic, we're calling it the new extraordinary, um, where they're walking this tightrope of compassion and inspiration, realism and realness, 
understanding that, you know, they want um, this balance in the brands they engage with or the things that they buy um, in a more transparent way. You know, in the past, it was that perfect Instagram picture, like I mentioned, or, you know, a really well put together, you know, video. And now, um, this generation understands that life is not perfect. Um, and we want to share the good news and we, we want to engage, um, and also, also that, that realness. So there is a lot of good news about the home. When you talk about return of family values, you know, Target doing the, the Friday night movie nights, um, Whirlpool, um, the, the appliance manufacturer creating a chore club, REI doing, um, you know, blog posts on how to camp indoors. Um, so, you know, this in this world where, like, now all of a sudden casual interaction seems reckless, um, this feel-good movement um, where we're sharing all these great things, um, we'll replace kind of that handshake and, and hug kind of concept. So we like this shift that we're seeing based on the pandemic, that this has really pushed this generation into um, the world of balance, which is something that was kind of happening before, you know, the, we were kind of being very careful about how we engaged and what we did online. Um, and now we're really seeing that, um, you know, there's been a 60% increase in empathy um, mm-hmm. because of, of what's going on. So uh, we think that has a, a lot to do um, and a lot, a lot of meaning for the home um, and brand engagement and the messaging. It's so interesting as you say that, you know, as I just watched my own, you know, kind of Facebook stream, uh, we used to have an expression of uh, there's the Facebook version of the event and then there's what really happened at the event. Um, and uh, I think I picked up that up from my good friend Eleanor. And I am starting to see much more humility and realism in people's posts about it's not all perfect here in my home. Uh, and I'm OK with that. I'm willing to share the, you know, the failed bread that did not <laughs> turn out so perfect. So I, I do think, you know, your observations and what you're seeing in terms of that increase in empathy and realism, it's really kind of a, a fresh uh, dose of humility, really, in terms of how people are relating. It is. And it's it's kind of a, a good way, a positive way to come out of this and something that we definitely hope, you know, continues long term and and it should be inspiring for home builders and, and messaging for, you know, what those rooms of the home can do and, and how they really support this positive change um, and are giving us movie nights and are helping our kids learn how to do chores and, and things like that. So it's fantastic example of how, you know, as Tim was talking about, you know, everyone considering all these new homes that are kind of these blank spaces that you now can turn into, you know, your school room or your craft room, or, I mean, in some cases, your decontamination zone where instead of your mud room, you know, you can really rethink the space as, mm-hmm. a, as a home builder and talk about it in a new way. So I think it's a, a great, an incredible opportunity. Yeah. And we're trying to help builders understand that sometimes consumers, they know kind of they want those kinds of spaces in their head or and that's kind of what they're dreaming of, but they can't always look at a blank space in a home where we kind of go, you can make it anything you want, but we really have to help uh, potential buyers understand that that's what that means, that we can fulfill those dreams. So kind of connect those dots for them. So let's switch on to um, those Gen Xers, your uh, latchkey kids, the tough, pragmatic uh, group. Um, What are you seeing in that, in the Gen Xers? So the really neat part, if you can say there's a neat part of a pandemic, I suppose, is that 
disruptions really wipe the slate clean. So this generation has always been, again, like you said, pragmatic. Um, but, you know, they've really shifted their views on what is important. So I mentioned screen time, you know, uh, this is how my children go to school and this is how they engage with their friends. So all of a sudden it becomes a family activity, seeing this huge rise in TikTok um, where families are getting together and creating videos and challenges, you know. So inhibitions for this group have kind of gone away that, oh, you know, I don't want to be on TikTok because that's embarrassing because my kids are on it. It's different. You know, parents are no longer lagging way behind in joining these new social spaces or being part of memes or challenges. Um, so important for, for brands and holders to be aware of, you know, there's this new shared space mentality. You, know, you might not have to be on TikTok, but you need to be aware that this is how families are communicating with each other um, and are talking. And this is a really purposeful generation. They, they want you to kind of have a, a, a purpose in, you know, championing the cause, um, you know, making sure that you're supporting people both in and out of your organization, um, you know, how are, if you as a housing industry are, are doing great things to help people and making sure that you're sharing that because this generation really cares about it. I mean, again, thinking about your messaging and your solutions as, as long-term um, versus a one-time stunt. You know, we don't want to do the whole one cute post, but then you don't have that kind of that that depth to back it up. So, you know, brands like Tesco in the UK doing food love stories that they've evolved to kind of meet that, that Gen X or where they are in, in, in food and, and sharing or, you know, Nike talking about, you know, like staying home instead of playing sports, you know, helping this generation really um, address the problems that they have with purpose um, and integrity. You know, I, I think this is a really interesting opportunity for marketers as, as you're speaking of this, that as the generations during this pandemic have been kind of forced in, in tighter confines and, and more kind of interactivity, you do see the younger generation in a way kind of dragging the older generation <laughs> into their tools, whether it, whether it be TikTok or just creating a YouTube video or, you know, or bringing everybody on Zoom for a family get together. You're, you're suddenly seeing all generations now being accelerated in their adoption of digital transformation. So in the, in the past, I know we would always talk about digital transformation tools and, you know, marketers and business owners would all go, yeah, but we sell to an older, you know, an older, more mature market or, you know, well, we don't really target millennials. You know, we, we would tease this apart as if only Gen Z or millennials knows how to use a smartphone. And while I understand it in the past, we would survey these generations and the and how they would use their those products was different. I'm not sure that the pandemic hasn't kind of leveled the playing field. That the younger generations have gotten their mom, dads, uncles, grandmother, grandparents, nieces, nephews, whatever, together, and we are now all using these products in a different and more accelerated manner, which should change how marketers then outreach to all generations. And we may not see as much generational differentiation in the tools that they use and their digital sophistication. I agree wholeheartedly. I think that it has definitely smushed us all together in really creative ways that has come out of this with some new solutions and new attitudes towards it that I think are very intriguing. So I agree with you 100%. Great. All right. Well, lastly, uh, in terms of, you know, people who actually buy homes, what about those boomers? You know, they certainly have had their uh, cheese moved as well. What are your comments on the boomers? So again, I mentioned they're that tech-savvy generation, not something we might have said six months ago. You know, when you are forced to figure out how to get your groceries or talk to your doctor via telehealth, 
um, or Zoom, as Tim mentioned, with your, your grandkids, which is so important to this generation, um, they've really gotten very tech savvy. So this has always been a generation of action, just even how the AARP um, has talked about the pandemic and, and how you could both get help and give help. This generation does not want to to age in, it, gracefully. They are going to be action-oriented all the way through. Um, so they, they jumped onto this. Um, and it really now is going to challenge both tech firms that are creating these platforms and and brands and home builders who are trying to engage with them to really now kind of treat them uh, a little more as equals. And so it was a good segue from Tim to talk about how this this has really kind of pushed the generations together. Before someone would have you know mentored up to a Zoomer to say you should try TikTok or you should get on Zoom, and now they're the ones actively asking to Zoom with their grandchildren mm-hmm. um, or wanting to take that virtual tour of. The home that they might want to buy or being willing to curbside pick up something that they would have never done before. So a great example was a um, Zoomers to Boomers that was started actually by some high school kids um, and says, we're Generation Z and we're here to help. And they were organizing grocery delivery, understanding that Zoomers have this close connection with younger generations, especially grandchildren. Um, so creating this service where they could pick an actual shopper, um, you know, to get their groceries and bring it to them because this this generation, you know, knows that they need to get their groceries delivered, but they also want to help young people at the same time. So the new conversations around, um, you know, talking to Zoomers about, you know, again, their home and, and being safe and, and, of course, you know, um, all the things that we now expect when after this pandemic, but also, you know, how are you going to foster interesting conversations with your grandkids and, and, you know, how are you going to have safe spaces for them to come visit? Um, and, and you can do this now in a new way uh, because they've embraced technology and, and social media in these new ways. Great. All right. So that last group, the seniors, I think you called them the viral stars. Um, they may not be a prime target uh, for, you know, home builders, but there's certainly behaviors there, especially their connection in with the, you know, the other generations. There are things that we should be considering. What should we be thinking about when we come into that uh, look at that senior group? Well, yes, they've turned into these interesting stars, even Matthew McConaughey playing virtual bingo with a senior living you know, facility, um, a World War II veteran dancing in his front steps, got Justin Timberlake's you know, eyes. So all of a sudden, we've seen how um, seniors kind of have a struggle with uh, either living at home or living in a nursing home. And, and we've also seen people reconsidering whether or not they even want their, their older family member to go into a nursing home. So as you're thinking about an in-law suite, maybe it's more of a comfort and care suite because you're really going to want to keep someone at home versus in kind of an unstable environment, say, in a, in a nursing home. And it's even hard to get uh, older people into nursing homes now because of, of what has happened with the virus. So these new messages um, aimed at, you know, the caregivers, maybe it's a Gen X or a baby boomer that, that is caring for um, this older person. And, and again, you know, as you mentioned, Melissa, just kind of how to redefine that blank slate of the home to think about how you would um, care for someone um, and what does that mean for, for space and, and, and separation? Um, and how do you make this a positive? Because this is now we realize that our seniors being stuck home by themselves was actually kind of a, a really sad, tragic element of our society that we really need to fix. And mm-hmm. I think the home builders are primed to kind of help us solve this, um, this crisis in a really, really helpful and meaningful way. Absolutely. And I'm reminded of, you know, kind of some of the trends that we picked up on at CES even this year about, you know, the home being the caregiver and kind of being able to age more gracefully in place and have your home care for you. 
And, you know, there is a shadow impact on Gen X and boomers, the amount of time and energy, resource, even money that they are spending on uh, caring for the aging population. And I do think uh, how we approach homes as home builders can really play a huge role in uh, in that piece of it. So I'm gonna um, I'm gonna shift gears just a bit because you have worked with so many big brands over the years and continue to do so. How are you seeing companies react right now? Well, for the most part, we've had a really positive um, reaction from companies, and and even right now, now that we have the protests going on, we're seeing that this new attitude kind of being put to the test, right? Like how are brands going to going to react and going to do this right? So there was a good study, the Edelman Brand Trust study. They did a special um, COVID-19 survey where they asked consumers, you know, how do you think brands are doing? And more than half of them believe that brands are, that responded more quickly and effectively than, than the government. Um, and that, you know, 62% thought that the country would not have endured the crisis without brands playing an active role. And I think that's kind of a, a really good hallmark that, you know, we're doing great things as, as brands. Um, and a great example, um, we think was Lowe's. Um, they did a great job right away saying, you know, let's, here's ways to build thank you signs for healthcare workers to put in your yard or to decorate your home. And, and there's a great example, I think, of where Gen Z, who's 12 to 23, has a love for Lowe's because mm. they helped them be creative and make these signs and put them in their yard or decorate their windows. And when would a 14 year old care about going to low? You know, so <laughs> no, you would have to drag a, them. You would have to drag them kicking yeah. and screaming for sure. And their same store sales are up 11% year over year. Uh, they continued kind of this, right? They were part of the virtual NFL draft uh, supporting retail workers and, and kind of with these new ads that they put out. Um, they helped the American Idol singers build their home stages because American Idol couldn't, um, you know, have the live finale. So these people had to build stages in their backyard. Lowe's sent a million dollars worth of flowers to moms that were isolated in nursing homes and couldn't get visits from their children um, on Mother's Day. So across the board, uh, whether it was emotion, function, you know, they found ways to touch many generations, um, handle the crisis in a way that, again, was positive but provided tangible solutions that you could you could execute. Mm-hmm. Not just a feel-good video you watch, and, oh, that's nice, but really great ways to get through this crisis in a positive way and, and to think about your home as this um, this lovely place. You know, I wasn't, oh, I'm stuck here. It was, I'm happy to be here. Right, right. I love that. So uh, have you seen any kind yeah. of uh, not-so-great examples out there? Um, a funny one is, uh, is just, how everyone played with their logos and Chiquita Banana was a, was a good example um, uh, where um, they just took the dancing lady off and said she was social distancing and people on Twitter said, you're a banana. We do not care. <laughs> um, and they, they pivoted. So that was good. And they changed their little stickers on the bananas to interesting little Spotify playlists that you could download uh, because you're missing being on vacation, right? So right. you could download a great, you know, kind of tropical song or you could, you know, have a playlist about, you know, staycations, et cetera. So they, they did a great job of taking a, a negative into a positive, but definitely um, those that, that just didn't pivot also kind of right. were, were an issue, you know, where you had an opportunity to say something and, and you didn't. Um, you know, the window brands, I think, were a great example. Anderson immediately pivoted their Love the Life You See launch that they've been doing now for, I think, about six months. And the landing page of their website was just filled with pictures of people putting hearts and rainbows in their windows, you know, where, where other brands in the industry 
just kind of missed that moment. You know, mm-hmm. they, they didn't realize this was happening. So kind of paying attention culturally to what's happening. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, a window brand that you might not think about, but once every 10 years becomes very relevant in your, in your everyday. Um, they did a great job on Instagram with that as well, really kind of showing the different ways that their brand actually was facilitating connection. Um, so important not to, to miss that moment to pivot. Right. Well, and let's just, you know, let's put it out there for home builders. If Chiquita, you know, could get it right, I think home builders can get it right too. I think we're better than uh, bananas. So uh, some great stories there. I, I know you have a webinar coming up on the topic, but I love a quote that you shared with me. And by the way, I've used it in every presentation, every conversation I've had in the past week. Uh, which is called Perfection is a Liability. I've been using it everywhere. Can you just maybe share with the audience a little bit more about what you mean by that? Sure. I think a lot of people are talking about it. Um, I think um, there was an interesting Harvard Business Review article called Perfectionism Will Slow You Down in a Crisis. Um, Dr. Michael Ryan of the WHO Emergency Program uh, had a great quote. He said, "If if you need to be right before you move, you will lose. Speed trumps perfection. Perfection is the enemy of good when it comes to emergency management. So it's kind of pivoting as I was talking about. You know, you can immediately pivot on social media at very little cost, right? Um, you know, your website, maybe investing a little in, in changing, you know, a home homepage. But waiting too long uh, means that you missed a moment. And brands that didn't speak at all, um, people say, well, why, why didn't you? You're, you're important. You're my home. Why didn't you say anything to me? So, you know, pivoting to talk about virtual school or the pandemic pantry. I mean, different ways to pivot. So our, our webinar coming up on uh, June 27th will be all about different ways that, you know, not letting perfectionism get in the way of, of making a decision so, so that it isn't a liability, whether that is in how you talk to consumers, you know, how you how you create design, how you how, um, create product, um, all these ways that you want to make sure that you're not kind of sitting there waiting and, and testing because, you know, focus groups take time. This is kind of an era now where, as you can see, we've already moved from a pandemic to protest. So mm-hmm. brands have to be ready with this on the regular. Hmm. And probably just good words to live by in general, even not in our little new normal. So really love that a lot. So as we wrap up here, a question I'd like to ask all of our guests um, is what is the silver lining that you see in all of this that we're going through? Our favorite silver lining at Sphere is that things will never be the same. Some people might think of that as a negative, but as a trend forecasting firm, you know, we always think of that as positive. Change is great. And in times of crisis, when all of a sudden we trust in something new, we never look back. So I've been using Rosie the Riveter in my presentations, which is like a wild throwback, right, for a trend firm. But think about it. You know, Rosie the Riveter went to work in a time of crisis. Um, and we realized that life was going to be okay. And Rosie the Riveter stayed at work. Women stayed in the workplace, you know, since then. So, you know, what will happen out of this this crisis? I mean, you know, I feel like inertia stifled innovation. And so COVID-19 accelerated it. And when you think about what happened in 2008, you know, brands like Uber and Pinterest and Warby Parker were kind of all born out of, of that space. Um, so thinking about some of these new things that are going to come out of this time of huge hardship is, is really inspiring. We definitely think that the home has you know, a huge role to play in that. You know, we're seeing statistics now that people say, I'm still going to cook more at home. Or, you know, I still want to have a space to do puzzles with my kids. I don't want this stuff to go away. So we think from both, you know, what kind of innovations or, or new, new brands or 
products will come of this, but we do think that we're very excited um, about this new focus on, you know, making sure that we make family a priority or friends a priority or, you know, our health or wellness. Um, when you see the shifts that have already happened already, right? We remote work and we trust in our workers. We trust in our teachers teaching our kids virtual school. We'll now go to the doctor online, which was crazy that we did that before. You know, and even government functions like Mayor Cuomo um, in New York announcing that you can now get married on Zoom through the county clerk, you know? This is great. Like all these different solutions that have come out of this have really highlighted what a great society we are and and we're really looking forward in, in our perspective of things not being the same. Right. Well, and so much of what you just talked about as silver linings just speak to even how more important the home is going to be. And I don't think, I think it's become extremely important in this time. And I think as you're, you know, kind of pointing out in several examples, that's going to stay with us. And for home builders, I think it makes our mission even more important than it was before. And it makes the opportunity even greater than before. So thank you so much, Mandy, for being with us today and sharing so many um, little tidbits and snippets and lots of little silver linings and uh, really appreciate you being with us here today. Well, I've enjoyed being here and talking to you all. It's, a, it's an exciting time and I'm glad to get to have a conversation with you all. Great. All right. Well, with that, we are a wrap for this week. We will be back next week uh, for all of our audience here at BD Extra. And in the meantime, be safe and sane.